When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Action Fanatics, welcome to the Sylvester Stallone edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I'm your host, Chris the Brain. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Chad Cruz. And Chad, we are celebrating an icon today. We are indeed, and we're not talking about you or myself. No. We're talking about the man, Sylvester Stallone. And we are not talking about the man in our guest chair either this time around. Ryan Campbell is back. Ryan, welcome back to the Bulletproof Podcast. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Yes. This is my best Stallone impersonation. Well, that's very good. Who who knew we had a, a, a... Rich Little in our presence. Is that a dated reference enough for I have everybody? no idea what that means. Thank you. All right. Well, yes. In fact, this is our Sylvester Stallone countdown. We reached out to all our uh, social media followers. And of course, you can follow us at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter and at Bulletproof Action on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, you can be involved in w- when we ask you uh, for some feedback like we did just a few weeks back, asking you for your favorite Sylvester Stallone movies. That list has been compiled now, Chad. And that's what we're going to be discussing here. We're going to count them down from 10 to 1. And this, again, is a a great... uh, I love when we do these because we're getting fan feedback and and it's not just our opinions on this show. Right. Our opinions, uh, in the grand scheme of things, really don't matter that much. Um, so, you know, it's always nice to hear that what the fans think, and, and oftentimes we, we agree with them, but sometimes we don't. And I think there's probably one or two movies in here where you and I would probably rank them much differently uh, than each other and, and as well as the fans. So I'm excited to see and to, and to hear what Ryan has to say about a couple of them because I, um, I think that he'll probably lean heavier on a couple that I wouldn't and vice versa. Ooh, nice little tease. There are a few on. I got a few on here, and there are there are a few surprises that we're going to get to. Yeah, there are. I mean, there's some that you know I expected to be on the list, but not yes. exactly where they ended up being on the list. So, without any further ado, let's talk about it because today is the day, July sixth. Sylvester Stallone turned seventy five years old. He was born Holy in shit. New York City <laughs> on July sixth, nineteen forty six. Let's start with number ten. And it yeah. is a movie that was released on August 17th, 2012, The Expendables Part 2. Uh, this is The Expendables that got it right, because I'm going to tell you what, that first one, to me, was disappointing, Chad. You know, it's funny that you said that, because uh, I actually enjoyed the first one more. Um, maybe it's because I, I saw the first one in theaters, and I, I did not see the second one in theaters. Um, but, but I, I do agree with you that I think that this movie, uh, when you compare it to the first one, it got the villains, right. It really kind of understood what it was going for. It was like, let's shove as many action stars in the movie as at one time as we can. Uh, you know, let's get v, uh, Van Damme, let's get Scott Atkins, let's get all these dudes in there and just kind of let them go to town and, and have fun. Um, I mean, it, it is missing Nick Cage. Okay. It's missing Nick Cage. That would have made it perfect, but Expendables 2 is probably, I mean, it's 10 on the list, but as far as the Expendables movies, like the most bang for your buck. Yes. Yeah. I Definitely. think this is the one that had more of the team ups that I was expecting in the first one, Ryan. Exactly. That was going to be my big, my big point. I, I don't think one is a bad movie. It's just that when you're hyping it up on all of these guys kind of being on screen together and it's kind of more Stallone, moving from group to group and teaming up with one or two guys and then leaves them and goes and does a mission with these guys. And like, they're never all together. And they right. just seemed like they could, you know, whenever the people's schedules would work out, they fly out, shoot a few scenes and then fly back out. And they just kind of had a rotating schedule of stars. 
and it just felt like you were, you know, it didn't quite deliver on what you were expecting. And, and two, like, like you, you guys have said, is the one that I truly delivered on the vision. Uh, I think it's a much tighter movie and just kind of, it's a funner movie. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think two is definitely the superior one. And then three, they tried to bring in new blood and it was like, whatever, no. Yeah. Fair. And, uh, yeah. 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 Three, they overdid it. They're like, Oh, okay. This worked in two. Now well, let's, I mean, when you have, you know, Dr. Fraser crane or wasn't he in there? Yes. What's going on? Why, why is he? In well, there? they tried to introduce like all the, the younger people and, and throw them all in there. And it just it didn't work. And yeah, like you said, Ryan, this one, a lot more fun. Like Chuck Norris just pops in and that's what you want. You want yeah. just random people. Cause you, cause then you're like the whole time you're thinking, okay, who's, who's going to pop up next. And that's the fun of it. Right. And the, you know, the villain from the first movie was uh, the guy from Dexter and wasn't Eric Roberts bad guy in that? Eric Roberts, Stone Cold. Yeah, had, Stone Cold. He was on the bad guy side. Yeah. So, you know, not a super memorable uh, big bad, but the second one, you know, like how do you beat Van Damme? And Van Damme was at that stage of his career, which he's probably still in, where kind of like changing things up yeah. is big for him because he's been, been doing the same thing for so long. He's been a hero for so long that every once in a while, you know, Hulk Hogan needs to become Hollywood Hogan. So it worked out well. Yeah. I mean, he's a villain named villain, basically. Yes. Uh, Love JCB. it. Love it. Perfect. Perfect. So yeah, that is, you know, and that's also a good reason why this one is probably my favorite Expendables because uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, I will forever be a JCVD fan. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to number nine, this one came out December 22nd, 1989. And because of that, I always like to refer to this as the last great action movie of the eighties. We're talking about tango and cash and what a dream team this was, Chad. Yeah. Like such a cool, such a cool team up. I mean, Kurt Russell, uh, Sylvester Stallone as, as two kind of, polar opposites when it came to policing. Uh, you know, Stallone's got like the uptight uppity kind of wealthy dude with the glasses and nerdy buff guy. And Kurt Russell is basically Kurt Russell. Um, so it, it played out great. Most of Kurt Russell's roles are he's Kurt Russell. (laughs) He plays Kurt Russell. So, so well, uh, he he basically plays Jack Burton, but uh, yeah, they just did such a good job together. And then when they're apart on, on screen and, uh, Terry Hatcher is super sexy in it. Oh. That's like the most memorable thing for me in it. Yes. Prime Terry Hatcher. Absolutely. And yeah, this was a real different kind of role for Stallone as far as, you know, just the way he was presented. Cause he was normally that rough, gruff common right. man. And here he was kind of a metrosexual almost. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, a yuppie, if you will. So many great, uh, so many great bad guys like, you know, Brian James and James Hong and uh, Zadar. What's his name? Robert Zadar. Robert Zadar, the the unforgettable face. face. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many awesome bad guys to just kind of get pounded on in this movie. Um, And and that's kind of, we'll see that throughout Stallone's career is that he always surrounds himself with good villains and memorable villains. And I think this movie is one of the earlier, uh, um, times that we saw this happen and all that vehicular mayhem towards the end of the film yes they have that i mean that's you know that's the type of stuff i mean this is as 80s as it gets really yeah he was a death race guy yeah yeah i think one of the things it's it's it managed to do as as you said brandon it's the last great action movie of the 80s is it just caught the very tail end of some of the 80s motifs but before they were played out to where we had to re reinvent action movies in the nineties. So it was like, it was like the last train, you know, <laughs> leaving, yeah. leaving uh, the station to where it's hit, hit the notes right before they became overplayed. Yeah. Uh, buddy cop movies were awesome back then. Now people would, there'd be so many lawsuits. They'd be like, no, that's police you know, brutality. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't hang a guy over the edge of a building. What the hell is happening here? Yeah, people have tend to uh, forget that these things are movies and uh, make believe, yes. uh, unfortunately. But yeah, um, and yeah, like you said, Ryan, things were about to change. We definitely were seeing a little bit more martial arts influence because of the the, the rise of Van Damme and Seagal towards the end of the '80s. So that was going to come into play. So yeah, this one is as pure 
you know, 80s as you can get. All right. Number eight on the list. Shocker. I, I think a shocker. Well, you know, I, I, I understand it. And I, yeah, I understand why it's here because people were torn whether this should yes. be, be on this list. Because again, we're, we are bulletproof action. We're talking about action movies and the character and the movie we're talking about December 3, 1976, Rocky, the movie that made Sylvester Stallone an icon or at least got him on that road. Um, so yeah, Chad drama or action or both. Yeah. I, I would say it's a drama with action scenes. Um, I kind of cheated there, but it, I mean, it, it's an amazing movie. And if you were to say like, what, which is the best movie of all the Rockies, I would say Rocky one, right. but which is my favorite. It's Rocky four. I think it's a pretty common feeling for most people. And I think similar to kind of when we get into the Rambo series, how different that first one is than some of the others in the series. Right. But to the, uh, to that point, I definitely think in a vacuum, it's a drama. I mean, I think if you had, had it just come out itself and we, and you know, Stallone didn't become Stallone or if it's another character in that movie and it's just the movie, I think you would consider it a drama, but you know, we're kind of grading on a curve and giving Stallone a little bit of the benefit for his career work to kind of place it as like an action, you know, and it had to put it in that action realm. But like I said, I think, I think if we're judging it in a vacuum without, you know, his entire body of work, it definitely plays out more like a drama. Right. I mean, if that was the only time Rocky ever happened, if that was the right. only Rocky, we wouldn't be, he would not be on this list. Yeah. Right. But you know, watch the final 30 minutes of the movie and tell me it's not action. Right. You know right. what I mean? Cause if you think about it between the, the training and the fight at the end of the film, the last, at least 30 minutes, of the movie is basically pure, uh, you know, montage fight. That's montage. You know, it's two giant sequences that are, that are amazing. So, I mean, of a two hour long movie, a fourth of it right there is just pure action. So. Yeah. Um, it helps that it's fighting. I mean, cause I don't, I don't yes. know if I would ever like most others, if we're going to put it also in sport movie category, we right. don't usually consider sport sports movies to be action, but because it's, you know, combat sports action, I guess it kind of, it, it yeah. definitely toes the line of a few genres. 100%. That's the, you know, the, I guess the big difference between boxing and let's just say like, you know, blood sport, like a martial arts, like, you know, whereas we think of boxing as a sports movie, we don't think of a, a movie like best of the best as a sports movie. It's thought of more of an action movie. Yeah. And, you know, let's be honest, without this movie, we're not talking right now. No, we're not talking about Sylvester Stallone because this, you know, on December 2nd, 1976, nobody gave a damn about who Sylvester Stallone was on December 3rd. That all changed for this man. Uh, Definitely interesting to, to see an action star that his kind of debut breakout role. He's flexing his acting chops. And we, I feel like we're always constantly talking about people that are that are action stars that, you know, whether it be Arnold or, or Dolph or something where it's they do a lot of action and then it's later in their career that they kind of start maybe taking on roles and flexing a little bit more of their, their action action or acting chops where uh, Stallone comes right in, right in with it. Maybe, you know, one of his yeah. best performances right well, yeah, in the very beginning. Acting and writing. I yeah. mean, just all right. the behind the scenes that the creativity the whole, yeah. part of them. And I think that it's probably more well acted because it's closer to him than it is to just some make believe character you know, being that underdog, nobody who nobody gave a chance to, I mean, literally Sylvester Sloan is Rocky. Like, right. Yeah. Like he, that is him. So it, it, it probably wasn't too difficult to play it. It's like Jason Statham in any movie. He basically just plays himself. <laughs> or Kurt Russell. That's or Kurt mentioned. Russell. Yeah. Or right. Kurt Russell. So yeah, Rocky number eight on the list. Again, I know a lot of people may have, you know, again, they were debating, should I yeah. even include it? I think if we said, you can include Rocky. This would probably it very well could be the number one movie. On it definitely list. speaks to his catalog that we're saying. It seems like it's high yes. or, or low. And then when you start looking through the rest of these names, you're like, okay, yeah, those have to be in there too. It starts making more sense. Right. And that's the fun thing about these polls is it, it it's never easy. Right. You know, especially with the guys we pick between your children. Yes. <laughs> Wait, whoa, hold on a second. Um, it's always like, you know, there's always movies in every actor's catalog that that bridges that gap or that toes the line between action and drama or, or, or horror and sci-fi or whatever. And there's always a movie that that speaks to you personally, but that you may not think is amazing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Predator is the greatest film ever made, but it's my favorite <gasps> film. 
is my favorite film. Okay, I got you. All right. Yeah. But I don't think it's the best thing ever made. Yeah. I mean, I don't expect everybody to love it as much as I do, but so these polls are always fun and and just talking to people and kind of hearing what they have to say about it. Yeah. And I want to, before we go on, thank everybody who did participate. And I want to thank everybody. Nobody did the tie thing because I can't choose. So I'm going to just put, you know, all these movies are tied for number one. No, no, they, everybody kind of, they gave us a list of five and I appreciate that. When people put ties on there, you flip your lid. Well, it's just, it's just <laughs> pointless. It's like, oh, come on guys. I get it. I mean, and, and I understand what I picked two, three weeks ago could be completely different tomorrow. If you ask me the same question. Yes, we, we get it. I mean, it's going to change. It's all subjective. So just calm, you know, you're not going to be married to these answers. People. My Star Wars list constantly changes of my favorite ones. So and that I makes sense. Yeah. That that shows that there are many good films in Star Wars catalog as well as Stallone's catalog. So that's a good thing. Here's a good thing. Number seven. It came out May 28th, 1993. Cliffhanger. Is this the only Sylvester Stallone movie in the Guinness Book of World Records, Chad? I believe so, unless the Italian Stallion made it in there. I'm not certain on that, but I think <laughs> this is the I only I feel one. like Cobra at one point was in there for something. Probably uh, violence. Or, yeah, or explosions or something like that. Yeah. It, or, it, it wasn't long before it was beaten, but I feel like at some point it was. Most there unique could've... way to cut pizza, maybe? <laughs> there you go. Maybe there you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the aerial stunt that we saw in the film where they, they exchanged the, the cases – from plane to plane. Uh, and I believe they paid the stuntman a million dollars to do the stunt. Right. And uh, it was Stallone who had to pay for it because insurance wasn't going to cover it. So he said, take a million off my salary, give it to that guy. Which is fantastic. Um, you know, he'd already been a star at this point for 15 years or, or more than that. And, you know, Cliffhanger to me is one of my favorite Stallone movies. I made my list. And it's just like balls to the wall. It is to me like the perfect uh, diehard kind of replica. Um, you know, to die hard on a mountain, if you will. Right. And it does it right. It's just different too, from kind of what you, we were getting around that time and not to always go like back then everything was, was so difficult, but to get some of the shots they got and some of the, the sweeping angles and, and the, the, the wide shots of, you know, mountainsides without the drone technology and the size yeah. cameras now that are the size of my phone that you can slap to a drone and get these really great shots uh it, it was just an impressive movie and and the get all the cast and crew up there to be filming these scenes and and it, it works really great as an action movie and and great villain in john lithgow it's it's uh michael roker is a little off his rocker in that movie <laughs> always, but, uh, always. he's uh, even more than usual like every time i go back, i haven't watched it not too long ago and i'm like man he's annoying as hell in this movie but um but yeah, it's a it's a really really good action flick. Yeah, maybe the most visually stunning of the Stallone movies on our list. Just yeah, just I, due to the setting. I can't remember where they filmed it. I wanted to say it was like a in the Alps or. Yeah, it was definitely in Europe, with the yeah. exception of that plane stunt, which they had to do in America. Yeah, USA baby. And I, I know you're a big fan of Janine Turner, uh, Chad Cruz. I am. You know, you, you know, there's not. I've never been a huge short hair on a woman kind of guy, but uh, she pulls it off well. She's adorable. Um, and uh, she was on that one TV show. I don't remember what it was, <laughs> but she was on it. And I always thought she was very cute. She's like that chick from the AT&T commercials. Like, she's cute without, you know, like lusting after her. <laughs> like you do for most. Like you yes, do for Terry exactly. Catcher and Tango and Cash. Yes, 100%. All right, well, that is Cliffhanger, and we won't... Speaking of lusting after something, this next movie I definitely lust after. Oh, I know you do. And this is the one one of the, I think, two, yes, one of two movies on this list that I actually was in the theater to see. This one came out November 27, 1985. Rocky IV, Rocky Ends the Cold War. It was phenomenal. USA, USA, USA. Yes, it was. Give it to us. (laughs) Oh, man. This movie uh, epitomizes the the era that it came out in, the mid-80s, the Reagan era, the uh, just, 
I think Stallone was kind of swept up in it as well as, as the movie industry. And, and it probably was born out of a really simple idea. Oh, we got to, we have to take on a Russian. And then boom, the movie just took off from there. A Russian came here and basically beat our, you know, the symbol of Americanism, which was Apollo Creed. Um, and we get a 85 minute, uh, music video <laughs> slash training montage, which has to go down as the greatest training montage ever in my eyes. Yeah. I mean, if it's not, it's, it's gotta be up in that top three, but I, I can't think of maybe blood sport, but I, I don't yeah. think so. I, I mean, Rocky, it's Ford's, the montage to end all montages. Yeah. yeah. It's the one that you watch like before you actually go work out, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go like, you know, lift shoulders. What should I do? Listen to this music or just, get all of it in one go by watching a Rocky Ford montage. And I mean, Dolph Lundgren as Ivan Drago, just what an awesome sight he was Yeah, with Brigitte Nielsen, you know, at his side. I mean, they were perfect in, in their roles as, as the villains just, you know, again, that's something, you know, like you talked earlier, something Stallone realized he needed to have somebody, you need to have a good heel if you want to get over as a baby face and right, Stallone right. knew that better than anybody. And uh, I mean, Drago and that made that movie made Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. I mean, it, you think about the Rocky films, especially the first, uh, let's just say four. Carl Weathers is amazing as Apollo Creed. He's spot on and perfect. He plays the role so well. And then you've got Mr. T who, who is a, a wonderful nemesis to, to not just Rocky as a fighter, but Rocky as a character. And then you've got, I have a Drago who is like a machine and uh, he did, he does the Arnold in Terminator role where you say little, but just show us your muscles. Mm-hmm. And uh, it played out so well, especially in the fight. Cause it, the fight, it looks legit and you know, he almost killed Stallone while making it. So when well, brain kind of alluded to it and there is so much pro wrestling in here that obviously you have to have a great villain to, to make this, but the booking with, you know, putting over Drago in the opening over Apollo and, and setting the stakes and, you know, building up the underdog. And, and I mean, it's just, it's, it's a textbook example really of how to book. <laughs> yeah. This movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Book into the big pay-per-view uh, and, you know, the fight coming on Christmas night, they're in Moscow. Um, even though I think it was really like somewhere in Oregon or Washington, <laughs> somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Um, but what about the news that, Later this year, we're going to get the ultimate director's cut of this movie, Rocky versus Drago. Snyder cut? We get a Snyder cut? I think so. That's exciting. I Hopefully there's more footage and, and not just uh, crisper footage. You know what I mean? Right. No, I think the, yeah, they definitely think it's, you know, there's more footage that got cut. So that's supposed to be November 11th, 2021 is the information oh, yeah. that I've received. So I may be in the theater watching Rocky Four again. Yeah, I'll go with you. We can hold hands. No, no, we can't. Uh, Share share popcorn? No, I don't Um, trust you. Share uh, soda? Oh, that's disgusting. Okay. (laughs) Raisinets. At least a box of raisinets. I I wouldn't want raisinets. I'm a hot tamale guy. I'm sure you are. Yeah. So Rocky IV, again, (laughs) probably... I think everybody's favorite Rocky when you when you think about it. Yeah, I, I mean, you can most people can make a a case for the first one just based on it's it's the first right. one kind of thing. But yeah, I and mean, most people are usually just trying to be a contrarian at that point, and <laughs> everybody Rocky Four is the best one. That is right, Rocky Four the best. All right, number five on the list. This one came out on May 22nd, 1985. So the same year, two movies in the same year, Stallone. Rambo. Knocking out of the park. First Blood Part 2. And this one, Chad, Rambo goes back to Vietnam. Really the place where it all started for him. Yeah, absolutely. And and the place where he has kind of stayed. He's lived in this place since he came back. Yeah. uh, You know, mentally, psychologically. So it, it... it kind of makes sense in the, in the, in the course of the character, you know, the first film is, is so dynamic as far as like his arc, because his arc that you see on screen, isn't exactly what the character, what's going through 
the mind of the character and what the character is going through at the time. So this movie, it almost kind of wraps up that first film for him as a character because he's returning to the place that kind of created him in a way. Uh, and and trying his to, demons. Yeah, he's fighting his demons. He's trying to kind of like uh, tie up some loose ends in a way, in a violent way. We get Richard Crenna back as Colonel Troutman, which is always wonderful. Um, but a whole other, I mean, Charles Napier, Martin Cove is in here. Uh, Stephen Burkhoff, George Chung, and then Julia Nixon is the uh, kind of our uh, tough chick in this yes. version, or in this uh, this uh, edition of Rambo. Yeah, I mean, this one, you know, we kind of talked about it with, and you know, we talked about it with Rocky. As that series went on, the movies changed. The same could be said for Rambo. Uh, again. You know, just the violence and the action just really ramped up here uh, for the sequel, Ryan. Yeah, I uh, for one, I love the title. I love First Blood Part Two. I just, it's (laughs) so great. Um, But yeah, the violence definitely picking up, and to the point where if you ask anybody or you say Rambo, the the image that pops in her head is established in this film more so than than First Blood. Yeah, you know the 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 muscles bulging, the the are the you know tank top and the bandana and, and yeah. just the big guns this is when that is established as you know like this is it's it's the death wish uh uh two to the first death wish you know or uh, rocky compared to the other ones where this is what takes this established character that we established in, in the very kind of story drama heavy first movie and crank it to 11 and this is where it really sticks in the minds of, of us all is is that's rambo and this is the one shed where the knife debuted, wasn't it? The, yes, the I believe knife. so. Yeah, I think so. The Rambo, he had the bow and arrow. It, it, this was a yeah, real weapons heavy. And I, I, I don't think he had it in the first one because he was in prison. I don't know. He he might have grabbed it. I think he did grab it. I think he. Did I think he he definitely yeah. used it when he was in the woods, but he almost uses more of like a tool, and he's yeah, he's setting up his traps and he's cutting down limbs and things. Yeah, he's got like, like wire but, in it. Yeah, nowhere near, nowhere near the the, the character. It almost becomes it all itself. Um, yeah, it's almost like a on. Batman utility belt at some point as these <laughs> movies go on. It's just like he opens a chainsaw in it and shit. It's crazy. Rambo: First Blood Part Two, Number Five. Not the last time that we'll talk about John Rambo. You're oh, absolutely right, Ryan. What? As a matter of fact, uh. Number four, January 25, 2008, Rambo. This one now, 20 years since we saw Rambo 3 and this one. You know, if the, if the action got ramped up in part two, the gore and the blood and just the violence is off the charts in this 2008 film, Chad. Uh, yeah, I would go that. I would, I would say that, yes. I, I think that uh, I like the title John Rambo better. I don't know if it's if it's John Rambo overseas or something. I remember seeing that as the title at one point. And I was like, that's um, I love that as a title because he's a person now. He's not just like this killing machine. But in the movie, he was he, a killing machine. Yeah, in the movie, <laughs> he's basically just a killing machine. Like he he doesn't so, yeah. give a shit, and he's just uh, he's all bulked up and muscle bound. Like he's not like shredded like he once was. He's just like. 60 pounds of muscle on top of his frame. And uh, yeah, man, he kills people with so many different weapon systems in this movie. It's, it's wild. And this is that movie where uh, you know he's not fighting Soviets or something, but he, he's kind of like this. The villain is just like bad guys. It's just like guys who are just killing. Yeah. They have no chance. And he's just it's like, it's been 20 years. You want to see Rambo mow through a bunch of <laughs> bad guys here you go. <laughs> and he does that uh, with expert precision. Yeah, that's a great point, Chet, because a lot of these movies we talked about, there have been a very definitive bad guy where yeah. this is just generic, just fodder, basically. I don't remember who the hell the bad guy is. I'm sure there was, was a main yeah. bad guy, but who was it? I it don't was know. the guy raping the boys, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, that, so, that's pretty bad, yeah. And it's funny because he kind of did the same thing when he did Rocky Balboa is, you know, uh, I can't remember the, the who was the fighter he fought in Rocky Balboa, the l- legitimate fighter champion. Oh, I can't. Was remember. it Roy Jones? No, no it was not Roy Jones. Or, uh, none of us remember who it was. That's that's pretty key. So he he was a it legitimate Antonio somebody Antonio Tarver. There you go, Antonio that's Tarver. Right. 
who was a, a at, that ta- at that time retired champion, but it wasn't memorable. He didn't have like a gimmick. He didn't, he didn't just like, he didn't grab anybody. And that's kind of how it was in Rambo where he was just like kind of fought whoever needed killed. And some, I, sometimes I think that's smart because it's almost like when you do the first movie of a series, especially something like, let's say just the Avengers, you don't introduce a really big bad because the story is them coming together. The story yes. is their own personal conflicts and then them coming together. And so we're re- since we're revisiting these films after 20 years, the, the you know people want to see him. That's the draw. So let's reintroduce him. Let's tell a little bit of backstory and reestablish him. Not not blow our load, so to speak, in this one. And then if right. it's successful, we, we're set up to do it again. And then we can bring a big bad in, you know. So I think it's it's smart to kind of to kind of uh, it it takes restraint, especially in today's Hollywood, to not just throw everything at the wall. Um, but I think it's it's sometimes smart sometimes to pull things back, either in this in this instance reestablish you know where we're at in our hero, and then we can kind of move forward. And also to decapitate people with the fifty cow. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can we get you... Brain to do his his Rambo? <laughs> that was from uh, part two. Where she said, Rambo. Yeah, that's right. Rambo. And, you know, and he had that, the necklace. You know, I know we're going backwards here, but that's all right. The necklace that he had. Michael yeah. Worth actually was inspired by that necklace and wore oh. a similar one on El Capoco Heat. How about that? And uh, was it Julie Benz was in this one? Oh, yeah, she was. I know you I always, always, I always lusted after her a little bit. <laughs> so she Whoa. was not. Uh, she was not the Janine Turner, just you had a little crush on her. Yeah, I I wanted to, you know, yeah, yeah. penetrate her. Well, it was 2008. You were a, you were a, a fully adult man at this point. So. I was. I was indeed wow. with fully adult man parts. <laughs> number four, Rambo. All right, number three on the list, May 23, 1986. This was my personal number one. I'm talking about Cobra. Ooh. I would say typically, typically, if people don't have Predator as their number one action flick, it's usually Cobra. <laughs> That's up there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Cobra is, uh, you know, when Stallone met Canon, magic happened. Yeah. And uh, Brian, Written again, we talk, we talk about great villains. Brian Thompson as the Night Slasher. I mean, that guy looks creepy as it is. They made him look extra yes. creepy in this one, Chad. Yeah, and he has all of the attributes of just like the dude you don't want to be anywhere near. You know, he's like uh he's like creepy cult leader guy. He's like grabbing these women. He's got giant blades that are shaped in weird configurations and obviously he's a, a serial killer, mass murderer or whatever he might be. But yeah, I mean Cobra Cobra is different than all of these non-Rambo, non-Rocky stolen movies. Cobra is like the outlier. Like it just seems gritty and grim and there's not like a hint of kind of fun to it. You know, Stallone was always good at like kind of bringing a little bit of humor to it. You know, you think about uh, like even like Judge Dredd, he did the, the Judge, Judge Dredd movie, you know, Rob Schneider is in that damn thing. So, uh, and he did so many movies that, that had senses of humor, Expendables all do, but Cobra is just like gritty as shit. It's pretty dark. It's Frank Miller. I love it. And, you know, that's another one that they say there is a, a longer cut of somewhere out there. And so maybe maybe if we're getting if the Rocky one does well, maybe we'll get the Cobra. That would be awesome. Who uh, has who would have their I guess was that it's it the Warner Brothers. I think it's the Warner Brothers. Yeah. Well, HBO Max, they're always in search of content mm-hmm. when they go back to finally releasing movies in theaters and they have to figure out what they're going to release on their streaming service. Uh, Br- Brigitte Nielsen in this one as well. Obviously, the Stallone and her work together in Rocky Four. At this point, though, they're more than just coworkers, Chad. Yeah, I'm. I'm doing that. Uh, you know, that I make a circle with one hand, and then yeah, and the I finger. Put the Got finger it. through it. I'm doing that right <laughs> now. That's what they were doing. Yeah, they sure were. always adds to the picture. It always adds to the movie. <laughs> the magic. Yeah. Could you imagine if we were on video, what, what Chad would be doing? <laughs> Thank God this is audio only. Um, and, and this movie had a kind of a storied past too, Chad, because this was originally supposed to be like Beverly Hills Cop. 
Stallone was going to be in Beverly Hills Cop, but he changed it all around, and they're like, no, get out of here with that. Yeah. And that kind of became this, but it's also part of the, the fair game, which we did get a movie of that down the road. So one of those interesting like projects that probably just floated around Hollywood, and this is what it became. And it's it's amazing. for me. I love it. I mean, it starts off with that grocery store, and it just never lets up, basically. Yeah, there and there are so many great action movies of the '80s and and early '90s that start in a grocery store that you know that have like a like a serious ass whooping to begin the movie. And I mean, if I were going to make a movie tomorrow, would I put a grocery store scene at the beginning? Probably. You know, that's a probably yeah. a good place to start. If we're so, making an action movie, we're having a grocery store. Yep. A parking garage. Yep. And a bar for sure. Yep. And. Couple ass scenes, like a bare ass scene. Of who? What about what about the, pearl necklaces? Got some pearl necklaces. What? what? Where is this going? Now here we go. How did we jump? Uh, <laughs> and you know, one thing I want to say is, you know, this is definitely one. This could have had a sequel. This could, have, you know, we want to. We did yeah. know should have had a sequel. Cobra could be on that list because, yeah, you know, Stallone did not have that. Do it. Do it my way, Maverick cop character. You know that's could have went on and on and on like a Dirty Harry. Yeah, it, it's kind of surprising that it didn't. Seeing how Stallone was all about making sequels, um, but uh, I mean, you know, any movie that you enjoy, you could say that oh, it could have had a sequel. This should have had a sequel. And, and you're right that Cobra could have because he had his buddies, he had his partners, he had his chief, he had like his gimmick, Marion Cabretti, the Cobra, call the Cobra. Uh, which could work anywhere, and, and he could have gone to freaking Japan and, and killed some Yakuza. Or, or, but, or right, or he could have stayed in L.A. because I don't think crime suddenly stopped in L.A. after 1996. Did, did you see how badly he killed him. Brian Thompson? I don't know. But, <laughs> it would have crowded down for a little bit. So there's at least a weekend there that everyone kind of sat back and was like, "Whoa." I think it. it I think it just took. It's, it feels like a movie that took balls to make, given Stallone's kind of status at the time you know, like we were saying it would have been easier to make it a little bit more campy or pull back a little bit to make it you know because he had a lot of draw at this point and with you know rambo and rocky and it would have been easy to still keep an r rating but maybe just try to like pull it back a little bit and make it a wider appeal to a wider audience but like we said they would they were like nope we're making this movie and it's ridiculously dark and you know it's just going to stand on its own. Is the lighter stuff what got cut out? I mean, is that yeah. could be what got cut out. Who knows? And I think that, you know, actors always say like, oh, you do one for them, and then you do one for me or whatever. Like he, he had just done Rocky and Rambo the year prior. So maybe he's like, all right, I'm going to do these movies, which are guaranteed to make me a shitload of money. Right. And then I'm going to do Cobra, which I'm going to murder people like left and right. And it's going to be insane. And it's going to be explosions and guys on motorcycles. And I'm going to bang my girlfriend every day while on set. And it's like, oh, okay. That's his for him movie. It could be, yeah. Which which Nicolas Cage films are for him and which are for us? All of them are for, for him. Yeah, he's greedy. <laughs> he's so good at it. He's, he's a greedy bastard. All right, number two. And this is the one that surprised me. Not that it's on the list, but that it's number two on the list. October 8th, 1993, Demolition Man. Chad Cruz, another great villain for Stallone to work with here. Wesley Snipes as Simon Phoenix. Yes, yes. Uh, like you said, a, a big surprise that it landed on number two. It was guaranteed being the, to be in the top ten. But uh, yeah, number two, what a, what a position for this movie. I mean, it's it's not like it, it made a, a gazillion dollars the box office. And you know, when you think about Stallone movies, you you never think about it first or second, but I mean, it's up there. It's it's one of those fun movies that kind of everybody remembers in some way, even though they probably don't remember like the story or <laughs> or right. much about it. But they remember that Stallone was a you know, frozen guy. Wesley Snipes is a frozen guy. They're uh, at odds with each other. And Sandra Bullock uh, was using seashells for something. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Campbell, have you figured out the three seashells? I have not figured out the three seashells, no. Okay. Uh, it's probably might be a little messy if you try. If uh, yeah, but you, you mentioned Sandra Bullock, and it, this was kind of uh, her introduction to the world of action 
uh, where, you know, this was her first movie. She'd be in Speed, Speed 2, I guess yeah. even The Net, you could consider a, a, an action-esque movie. Yes. So they were definitely, uh, yeah, they, they found something here with old Sandra Bullock and Demolition Man. Yeah, Miss Congeniality. It's a good one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a fun one. But she, uh, yeah, she's she is that quirky, cute chick in this. You know what I mean? Like that she's not like, I don't think she's overly sexy. Um, right. She, she's uh, really into nostalgia. So she's obviously fascinated by John Spartan, who comes from the past. Yeah. Another great name for an action hero, John Spartan. I mean, that might be one of the best ever. Um, and Wesley Snipes plays, uh, I don't know even how to describe his character, but he is, uh, he's, I don't see when they're like, what, what year did they get frozen in? Do you remember? I do not. Jeez. Oh, I don't know if it was 93, if they got frozen in like the early nineties, but even then he doesn't really fit in the early nineties because uh, <laughs> they've got like this weird few, the past is the future kind of gimmick. And he just doesn't like seem to fit in any generation at, at this point. So when he gets unfrozen, uh, he's just like, He's almost like M. Bison from Street Fighter. Like he's trying to take over the new, the world. Ninety six. They're frozen. Ninety six. Okay, so he does not seem to fit in ninety six. So he comes out as like a M. Bison uh, in living form, and he tries to like take over the city by kicking and punching people. Well, the movie being made in ninety three, they definitely had high hopes for the where we were going to go in those three years. <laughs> yeah, they did. And of course, there was the Taco Bell uh, product placement. It was the uh, fancy restaurant of the future yeah that didn't quite pan out mm, no but i thought like that was very early 90s though as well was was you know throwing in fast food chains into into action movies whether it be right. pizza hut and like the turtles movies and stuff like that or burger king i feel like was in a lot of movies around that time and that was probably pretty smart marketing technique for them oh yeah i mean i I can remember that it was Taco Bell in that movie, which is <laughs> right. Which, like you said, there's not a lot you can remember. And yeah, yeah, and I did recent. I would well not say recent, but in the past six months, I've rewatched Demolition Man for the first time in a long time. Yeah, and yeah, there was a ton of it that I did not, to your point, did yeah. not remember. But I mean, it was good. And like I, I forgot I, they I, ate rat hamburgers down in the sewers. But <laughs> I didn't. Eat. I had written written a post on it a few years back, and uh, I'm scared to 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 know how many years ago that was. But um, I hadn't seen it in many years, and pretty much the movie was brand new to me because it had been so many years since I'd watched it. and And I've seen so I've seen the Rambo and Rocky and Cliffhanger so many times that Demolition Man kind of just like disappeared in my memory. I think that's part of the reason that it's made such a resurgence in the last few years because I feel like. I don't know if every, if it's just how our society is where, oh, if everyone's going and running over to Station A, I'm going to go stand over at Station B. So everybody looked at the Rocky, the Rambos, you know, the others, and they were like, I'm going to go over here and say that Demolition Man is really great. And it yeah. is great. But yeah. it, it seems like over the last few years, and I don't know if it's just being involved with the site, so kind of more plugged in and, and people talking about it, but it seems like it's gotten more of like a cult following in the probably the last three or four years and to where it's, like you guys said, Kind of surprised for it to be number two on this list, but um, it definitely has seen a resurgence uh, over the last few years. And yeah. like I said, so maybe some of it is just people looking for something different out of Stallone's library. And you get that uh, u- usual hero, Wesley Snipes, as the villain, which was rare at the time. And you also got it kind of like a meta feel to the movie where it's like, it's like, te- it's narrating to us about the future and how far away from what I guess we want to be like how far they're getting away from like this, like uh American ideal or whatever. I don't know. They're like, you know, all the poor people live in the freaking sewer and uh they use seashells to wipe their ass and they don't have sex with each other. I don't know. It's like this weird future with like, everything's perfect, but it's, it's not even close to perfect because they're missing something. And Arnold but. Schwarzenegger was president. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that was another early '90s trope, though. Was very yes. much, you know, the the poor people living in squalor, <laughs> and, which and is actually corpor- very true. Corporations, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the most realistic the thing in the movie. 
And Chad, just so you know, February 5, 2016 is when you did your 10 things you didn't know about Demolition Man. 2016. Holy shit. You were maybe this resurgence of the the movie's popularity is goes traces back to that very post. <laughs> I hope so. I'll just I'll just assume that's he's the gonna, case. He's going to he's going to just claim it. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's going to make claim to that. You just put that in his head. So it's, plant it's my over. flag there. All right, number two, Demolition Man. All right, number one, it really could only be one thing. It is from October 22nd, 1982, First Blood. And we did a deep dive on this one a while back. But uh, First Blood, our introduction to the John Rambo character in movie form. Um, You know, it, it was interesting because it was, you know, obviously had some serious subject matter with what happened to the, to the Vietnam vets when they came back home. But it was also mixed with so much uh, just blockbuster action, Chad. Yeah, I mean, the movie came out, what, seven years after the war had ended. So it was still fresh in many people's minds, especially the guys who served and and, and the families that were affected by it. And uh, I mean... It, the film, like you said, it's got like this weird um, place where it, it it's extremely dramatic and and there's these scenes of just like intense trauma and he's you know he's being interrogated or he's being you know tortured and there's just these things going on in his mind and it, it like it's some serious shit happening and then there's a guy with an M60 just blowing the shit out of buildings and. <laughs> and stabbing people and like there's serious action which which to me is like a perfect blend of, of two movies into one and every time i get a movie that's all a and none of b i'm like man i wish there was more action in this movie so it, it kind of hit a nerve for me when i when i was younger when i saw it for the first time so uh, because i was already into the war movies i was watching you know world war ii movies uh with my dad and westerns like crazy and whether i said it or not i'm always like man killing 300 people probably has some sort of effect on you mentally. And then first blood came out and said, yes, it absolutely does. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, PTSD was something at the time for returning soldiers that we didn't really talk about. I think everyone kind of knew that it was an issue and people kind of handled it like internally in whatever environment they had, but nothing like it is now where we were very aware of it and we're very proactive and, and there's a lot of resources to try to help with these things very much ahead of its time there but one thing i always appreciated about the movie is just the level of restraint it shows that a lot of the big time action that we're talking about and the big set pieces aren't happening till you know the latter third final act of the film right yeah it, it it takes a while to get going but and i don't know if it's just the way movies are now where if you don't have a giant set piece by the end of the first act and it's just it all just becomes noise by the end of the movie then then you know you're not gonna be able to keep people's attention long enough but when you watch the movie and it, and it exercises this restraint and this development and it slowly builds and then in the, like the third act, it just goes to shit real fast. Um, I Whenever I watch it now, I always seem to appreciate that aspect of it. Yeah, they built up to it. I mean, they pushed them and pushed them and pushed them and then he went over that line and it, there was no coming back. Uh, another interesting thing about this, you know, we've talked throughout this list about the villain. I mean, Brian Dennehy is obviously the the antagonist here but he's not really a villain in in the classic i mean he's a cop doing his job yeah he may have gone a little bit overboard right but, you know he's not like pure evil like a simon phoenix right freaking night slasher yeah and 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 that's kind of part of the the way the film works is that like you said it just ramps up that tension and brian denny he had he been just a, a another bad guy who was trying to kill rambo or whatever it probably would have been a lot easier to deal with him for, for the character of John Rambo. But being that he's not like some evil dude, he has an opportunity to take him out at some point and he doesn't because I don't think he, I think he still knows that the guy's just maybe a little misguided. Right. Um, and they just have some miscommunications between them. But uh, as the film goes on, it just kind of gets worse and worse and worse. And, and as a soldier, you know, you got to believe John Rambo has respect for his commanding officer and you know Dennehy being the sheriff he's like the commanding officer of that area so that could have been part of it as well and he was a Korean War vet as well I, I'm pretty sure the right. I know in the book that he was like a you know Korean War 
that, but in the movie, I believe he actually has some stuff on his desk that that would insinuate yeah, that. Yeah, some medals or, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, if I had to nitpick one thing about it, I think it would just be a little bit more insight into the motivation of Brian Dennehy's character and why he is, you know, did a, did a vagrant come through the town five years ago and slaughter like five people? I don't know. Right. <laughs> like a little bit more insight into why he is so anxious and so hell-bent on getting this dude out of his town. Um, maybe one of them just pooped in his back seat of his car. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe that's it. But like he's his, he has a very you know intense motivation on getting this dude out of his town that I feel like goes beyond just, you know, we're, we're a quiet town. I don't want right. any riffraff. But, you know, again, I don't think it detracts from the movie. But whenever I go back and watch it, I'm always thinking, like, this dude has really got a, you know, a hard on to get this dude out of his town and i'm just kind of curious you know where that comes from i thought it was a you know a generational thing i you know the the way that a world war ii vet or a korean vet looks at a, a vietnam vet uh and just seeing them as a different kind of person a person like oh this guy was probably uh um forced into the service and he's some hippie and he's got long hair and he dresses you know he's got these raggedy clothes and and they lost Yes, and they lost. That's a big one too. That's you know, you know who won, who lost. And, yeah, we uh, were per- we had a perfect record until you guys went over there. <laughs> we had a pretty, we were doing pretty good. But it had been uh, my generation. But I know, like you know, where, where I live, uh, there, there's some nice, there's a nice area, and when you enter on on the west side of the town and on and exit on the east side of the town, or vice versa, there is an officer that sits there all the time. And if you look like a vagrant, they will politely escort you anywhere you want to go. And that's, that's right now, legit. It will I think happen. we need to test this. Yeah, do you it know happens. that firsthand? Did you not shave that morning? And you No, up? but I know people who have been, uh, and they've, you know, uh, uh, a guy that I've worked with in the past, and he said, uh, yeah, I was just going for a run, and I was wearing, like, I was all kind of baggy looking, and I was like, I was walking, I was sweaty and I looked kind of nasty and, and, uh, he got stopped by the police and they said, Hey, are you, where are you at? And you passing through what's, what's happening? And they said, <laughs> Do you need a ride somewhere? And he goes, no, I'm just out for a jog. And he happened to have his ID on him and he showed his ID and they ran his, like ran his information. Like they were trying to get rid of him. You know what I mean? And, and these places do that. And there's, there's a lot of wealthy people in some of these areas and they don't want Boy, their types. Boy, yeah, they so don't we got a nice quiet in. town here, fellow. Yep. We want to keep it that way. Yeah, I mean, he could he could take him to the police station and give him a shower with a fire hose. <laughs> with the with the, yeah, the fire hose. Yeah, there there's that uh, ass shots that Chad demands in his action movie. Yep, <laughs> I need one at least one in every film. Okay, well, that could be why you're a big uh, Van Damme fan as well. Yep. All right. Well, there you have it, everybody. Thank you again for those who voted and gave us their feedback our top 10 sylvester stallone action movies um but right now let's uh any honorable mentions something that did not make the list ryan campbell let's start with you i believe the only one that did not make the list for me is i actually had driven at number five okay that's a fun one i, I want i wanted to go a little off the book I, i'll admit if you're if you you know or tied me to a chair with jumper cables and was making me give you my top five. I probably wouldn't put it in there, but I was trying to think a little bit outside the box of what everybody else was going to do. Um, I, I'm a big racing fan and I, I, I thought it was definitely cool for him to kind of go outside the box and do something different like that. Um, but you know, I, I really enjoy that movie and, and kind of how it looks at the, the kind of mind it takes to do something insane like that and drive around with your, you know, head exposed at 200 plus miles per hour for like two hours. It's, that, that takes a special type of person. So um, I always enjoyed that movie. So I, I had it on my list, but the other four are all on here. So Chad Cruz. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I want, I want to say that uh, assassins and the specialist and Nighthawks and all this deserve a spot, but he's just got some, such a great filmography that I don't think they make the top 10. Um, I, I've always loved judge dread, even though it's not, you know, that close to the comic or to the, what of the pulp magazine. But uh, over the top is is an absolute is. favorite of mine, and I, I, I love the soundtrack. I love uh, the story, and just like everything about it is is phenomenal to me. So that would absolutely be in my top ten 
And it's one of those movies that I can watch at any point, like all the time. And that's one of those one. I, I mean, I saw it when it originally came out. I don't, yeah. I wasn't at the theater, but rented it. Um, and, and it was fine. I didn't have any strong feelings about it either way, but nowadays when I come across it, yeah, yeah. I'm in, I'm watching it. And it's really grown on me over the years. Um, if I had to pick a movie, I would say Rocky three. Okay. Um, to me, you know, Rocky one and two were definitely more dramatic Four took it more action. Three was kind of that bridge. Yeah. Uh, but for me, three, I think just for my other love professional wrestling, I mean, three was a huge movie because you had both Mr. T and Thunderlips Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I mean, without, you know, without Rocky three, would there have been a WrestleMania? Yeah, I don't think so. Probably not. Um, probably so, nothing, at least that soon. There's right. definitely some dip in their toes in on both parties, either the, the franchise and you know professional wrestling uh, with that film. Yeah, so that just for that reason alone, I would make that my honorable mention, Rocky Three. And some of these movies could have easily made this top ten, um, but you know, at some point when you're making your 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 top five and you're uh, trying to contribute to this poll and you're saying these are my top five movies. You don't want to make like three Rocky movies or you don't want to put three Rambo movies right. in there. So you kind of just like pick your favorite and go with that. So right. a lot of times movies like Rocky three gets missed out on because right. it's everyone's second favorite. Rocky right. That, and that's how I, I took it. Yeah. I picked one Rambo, one Rocky yeah. Cobra. I think I had over the top on my list. And, Did you? Uh, Good man. I don't remember. Oh, I think I had demolition man, but not, not that high. But uh, so there we go. Sylvester Stallone, happy birthday, 75. That's a milestone right there. Yeah, he'll be dead soon, probably. Wow. Oh, man, that's a sour note to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> on his, on the man's birthday. I'm just You're going to be dead odds. soon. Sylvester. Just based on, <laughs> based I mean, on the not, odds. The odds are wrong. Every day we're one day closer to death. So the, Exactly. The odds are he ain't going to live too much longer. He, but you know what? He looks amazing. He's got more action movies coming out this year. He's got that Samaritan movie coming out. Um, I mean, I would have thought Clint Eastwood would be dead by now. So, you know. Jokes on me. Chairs. So I almost right. put escape plan in here. Just, just as a, some of an inside joke amongst us all here. Uh, it must be really inside. Cause I don't know what it is. I don't get it either. Escape plan that we didn't, we never reviewed. It was like the, Oh, escape plan okay. three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome. You're right. Fallback film that we have never going to review that. Well, if, if we want to talk about inside jokes and there's about 14 Chad Cruz inside jokes in that drafts folder. <laughs> that will probably likely never get finished. I don't even remember some of those movies. <laughs> so there you go. And of course we're talking about bulletproofaction.com, which is where you may have seen an escape plan movie, but Ryan Campbell didn't do it. Uh, but that's all right. Bulletproofaction.com. We do have something new each and every day over there. Uh, you can go back and look at that uh, 10 things you didn't know about demolition, man that we talked about from 2016 the archives are there nearly seven years of archives chad holy crap what a waste of time it's <laughs> growing old on us look at this we are we are growing older by as you said by the the second by the day all right so again bulletproofaction.com check it out uh coming up here on the Bulletproof Podcast, our next episode, July 20th, we are going to talk about a real classic Chad Cruz, Enter the Dragon, as we remember the great Bruce Lee. Yeah, man, what an excellent film. What a, um, I mean, it seems like every two weeks when we jump on here and do a podcast, we're talking about, oh, this movie really affected me in a huge way. And I mean, it really is true. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of pumping through these episodes and talking about new movies every couple of weeks. And uh, you know, we're always hitting on movies that, that had some sort of massive effect on us. And I don't think we're, the, we're alone in that. And, and the dragon's one of those ones that, that did a lot for me as a kid, for sure. And then on August 3rd, we are going to start a month long celebration. I talked about it just a moment ago. We're, we're headed to our seventh anniversary and we're going to be celebrating that all August long. Ryan Campbell will be back with us. We're going to oh. talk RoboCop. Yes. Another heavy monum up. another monumental film. Yeah. Uh, I cannot wait to talk about. Ro that's another one I've been. That's been uh, popping up on Pluto. Yep. And I've been <laughs> wherever it is. Yep. I'm into the end now. 
I have seen uh, old Emil get toxic waste <laughs> dumped and splattered all over the windshield of Clarence Boddicker's car at least six times in the past month. I think. So. Oh, we're not we're not doing like the the most recent reboot. All right. You oh, know God. what? You might not be invited on. <laughs> I I have decided the brain that I think as this is our seventh anniversary. I was thinking about maybe getting you a pearl necklace. <laughs> That's disgusting. Why? Where? Why did Brian? Okay, I'm done. I'm you, done with you two. What do you mean? I'm just done with both of you right now. This episode is done. Thank you. Thanks again for everybody who voted on our Sylvester Stallone countdown. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. You guys are sick. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.